When wishes were horses and beggars could ride, in a stone castle by the sea there lived a rich land. How am I supposed to choose? There are so many. And so he left the trail, and he followed the sound of the music. I am the goat from the hills and the mountains. And when I have finished eating these herbs and these vegetables, then I shall eat you, too. Once upon a time, and welcome to the Story Story Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Ann Harding, and I have some stories for you. This is a podcast to hear traditional stories told by some of the best storytellers in the world. It will take you to long ago and far away and bring you back safely. I hope, to all that are listening, you never have a bout of insomnia. That feeling of laying in bed, knowing that sleep would be the most wonderful thing. And yet the Sandman has gotten sidetracked and didn't leave enough sand to take you into dreamland for the rest of the quiet night. I hope, dear listener, you aren't one of those folks who wakes in the night, but if you are, I would encourage you to look for the moon monkey. You see, a long time ago, there was a monkey who loved the moon so much she swung up into the stars and settled on the moon. But, I hear you say, the moon has no trees for a monkey to swing on or fruit to eat. And that is very true and a very good point. But she has managed. She swings on the tails of comets and shooting stars. She eats the moon beans that grow there. She has the job, they say, of turning off the stars at dawn. And I should know it's true. Because I saw her. The first teller for this episode is Donna Washington. Donna Washington is an internationally known, multiple award-winning storyteller, spoken word, recording artist, and author. A highly animated performer, she has been entertaining, educating, and inspiring audiences with her vocal pyrotechnics, elastic face, and deep characterizations that bring folklore, literary tales, and personal narratives to life for over 30 years. Donna's been called a walking Disney movie and told she is better than television. And this is her telling... Anansi and the hat-shaking dance. Now, Anansi the spider is a trickster. He loves to play tricks on people and he loves to eat. And when there isn't very much to eat, he always finds a way to fill his belly. But sometimes his tricks backfire. Now, quite some time ago, Anansi the spider had long, flowing hair. Now, I know that when you see spiders today, they do not have long, flowing hair. This story explains why. It's called Anansi and the Hat-Shaking Dance. You see, there was a famine, and there wasn't a lot to eat. And Anansi was sitting home, looking around his house, wishing he had something to eat and trying to figure out how he could get food out of his neighbors. But he knew his neighbors didn't have any food either. He sat there and thought and thought, who do I know who always has food? And then he figured out who he should go visit. His mother. Because mothers always have food. That's their job. So Anansi got up, combed out that long, silky hair, and put on his favorite hat. And he went down the road to his mother's house. And when he got there, he knocked upon the door. Pump, pump, pump. His mother opened the door and said, Anansi, how wonderful it is to see you. Come on inside 
and Anansi went right to the table, put his hat down, sat at the table in a chair, and smiled up at her. She said, Anansi, are you hungry? And he said, just a little bit. And she said, well, hold on a second, I'll get you something to eat. And she went into the room and returned with a whole basket full of bread. And Anansi ate it. (laughs) His mother said, Anansi, are you still hungry? And he said, just a little bit. She said, well, hold on a second. His mother went into the kitchen and came out with a whole tureen full of soup. And Anansi picked up the tureen. (laughs) His mother said, Anansi, are you still hungry? And Anansi said, just a little bit. Well, she said, hold, hold on a second. And she went into the kitchen and came out with a whole platter full of stewed vegetables. And Anansi started eating vegetables. His mother said, Anansi, are you still hungry? And he said... Just a little bit. Well, hold on a second. And she took the platter away and came out with a whole tray full of roasted meat. Mm, Anansi picked up that meat. His mother said, Anansi, are you still hungry? And he said, just a little bit. So she went into the kitchen and came out with something called a milk tart, which is a creamy almond custard tart. And Anansi folded it in half and then folded it into quarters, opened his mouth as wide as he could and shoved it in there. His mother said, Anansi, are you still hungry? And he said, just a little bit. She said, well, I don't have any more food. He said, well, why don't you go down to the market and get some more, and I'll sit right here and wait for you. (laughs) So his mother went into the next room to get her pocketbook so she could go to market. And Anansi sat there feeling pretty good about himself when he started smelling something that smelled really, really good. He got up. He started following his nose down down the hall. What? What is that? It smells so good. And he got to the kitchen, and there, over the fire, were pine nuts. Now, Anansi loved pine nuts. Some people might have taken one pine nut. Some might have taken two. But Anansi... Is very, very greedy. He didn't want one pine nut. He didn't want two pine nuts. He reached his hands in there and pulled out every single one of those hot pine nuts. Ooh, ah, they were so hot. He was trying to throw them up in the air, blow on them, and eat them at the same time. Ah, ooh, ah, 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 ah. And then he heard the front door open. His mother must have forgotten something, and she was coming back. And he knew 
If she saw him with those pine nuts, she'd throw him out and she wouldn't let him eat. So Anansi didn't know what to do. He looked around. Where could he hide him? And then he had an idea. He ran back to the room with the table and dumped all the hot pine nuts inside of his hat. And smoke started coming out of the top of his hat. And he knew if his mother saw the smoke coming out of his hat, she'd look in the hat, she'd see those pine nuts, and she'd throw them out. So he put the hat on top of his head, on top of his long, flowing, silky hair. And those hot pine nuts started burning the top of his head. He was trying to be quiet, but those hot pine nuts were so hot. His mother came in. She said, Anansi, what are you doing? Are you leaving? No, 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 I'm not leaving. He started flapping that hat around, trying to get a little cool air underneath it. His mother said, what are you doing? He said, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm singing and I'm, I'm, a, I'm doing the hat shaking dance. Started flapping that hat around and jumping up and down. He was trying to jump those hot nuts up into the top of that hat and off his head. His mother said, that looks like fun. Do you mind if I do it? He said, no, no, go get a hat. His mother ran to the back room, came out with a hat, and put it on top of her head. She started flapping it. And Anansi, oh, his head was burning. He started trying to flap that hat a little more, get a little cool air in there. He danced at the front door. His mother danced right after him. And Nancy ripped the door open, ran down the stairs, dancing all the way. (laughs) His mother danced right after him. They danced all the way down the road to the town. (laughs) And they were having market at the town. And Nancy danced right into the middle of everyone. (laughs) His mother danced right after him. Everyone stopped and said, what are you two doing? And Anansi's mother said, we're doing the hat shake and dance. And everyone said, that looks like fun. She said, well, everyone go get a hat. And everyone in town got a hat and started jumping up and down doing the hat shake and dance. Everybody was having a good old time, kicking up their feet, flapping their hats, except poor Anansi, whose head was on fire. And finally, he could not take it anymore. And he ripped his hat off. And all those pine nuts fell down around his feet. Everyone stopped dancing and looked at him. His mother said, Anansi! Oh my goodness! And as soon as she said that, everyone started laughing. And Anansi couldn't imagine what was so funny. He'd just been caught. He was embarrassed. And then he, he reached up and felt his head. All of his long Silky hair was gone, and in its place were all these short, crunchy spikes sticking up everywhere. Anansi looked down and discovered that he'd burned all the hair off the top of his head, and it was all mixed in with the hot pine nuts around his feet. Anansi was so embarrassed, he dropped his hat and ran away. And to this day, spiders do not have long, silky hair. Oh, no. All they have are short, crunchy, hard spikes. They have those to remind them that they should never again steal from their mother. And that's the story of Anansi and the Hat-Shaking Dance. The fairy tale sponsor for this episode is Bridge Troll Tours. 
The three billy goats gruff might have had it tough, but you can cross a bridge and more with the Bridge Troll Tours. Bridge Troll Tours will take you to all the important bridges in your town and introduce you to your local trolls, their stories, and payment plans for ease of crossing and peaceful relations. Learn about the specific form of payment that each troll accepts so you'll never be caught off guard when skipping home over a bridge. It's important to know which trolls accept gold, which ones accept riddles, and which ones require something special, like the color of your hair for a year or your sense of rhythm for a week. With Bridge Troll Tours, they can recommend alternative crossing points and bridges that don't have resident trolls. However, once you have taken their tour, they will keep you updated if any new trolls come into your town. Enjoy and ease when crossing over bridges with Bridge Troll Tours. Know what is under the bridge before going over it. This episode is also brought to you by the new Patreon supporter, Stetson George Palmer. Stetson George Palmer has the special ability to whistle up the wind. Now, this may sound like a strange gift, but it's quite useful. During the fall, Stetson can whistle the wind to herd all the leaves into neat piles or the right bags. Stetson is also the person you want around during a kite festival. They are also a generous supporter of storytelling, which is pretty cool. A big thank you to them and all the other patrons of the podcast. Be like Stetson. Become a patron for as little as $4 a month while getting some sweet perks and rewards. It would be pretty cool. And to those who are already patrons, you are the warm and crunchy joy of a perfect French fry. Yeah, I saw the moon monkey the other morning when I woke up at 4 a.m. and couldn't get back to sleep. I wanted to go back to sleep, but no matter how I tossed and turned, I couldn't get comfortable and it eluded me. I finally went downstairs and got a cup of tea and started reading on the couch. I was reading stories about the Selkie for a show that I have coming up and when I looked up, I saw the sky was starting to lighten. I could see Orion and his three stars that made a belt. I leaned closer to the window and found the Pleiades cluster, the seven sister stars that were shimmering against the dawn. Then, as I was staring right at them, they winked out. It wasn't like the dawn had gotten brighter. It was like someone had flipped a switch and they were gone. I blinked and looked again. They were really gone. Then one by one, the stars on Orion's belt began to wink and disappear. What was happening? I let my eyes relax and drift over the sky, and then, like a magic eye trick, I saw her. Shimmering, silver, and almost invisible, the moon monkey was swinging through the sky and turning the stars off. She was moving fast, but her swings were graceful in her long arms, reaching so many stars quickly, effortlessly. I watched her turning them off one by one by one, until between her and the dawn, the brightest object in the sky was the almost full moon. Then she swung over there and crawled around to the dark side of the moon to sleep. What a lucky monkey. The second teller for this episode is Heather Forrest. Heather Forrest's unique minstrel style of storytelling blends original music, folk, guitar, poetry, prose, and the sung and spoken word. She has toured her repertoire of world folk tales for the past 30 years to theaters, major storytelling festivals, and conferences throughout the United States and abroad. She has eight albums and seven children's picture books, so if you'd love to hear more of her, there is more to hear and read. On this episode, she is telling... The Contest Between Wisdom and Luck.
Wisdom and luck were traveling down the road together, arguing about which one of them was more important. Without me, said Luck, life will always be filled with unexpected problems. But, said Wisdom, if I am around, no problem is too great to solve. Luck, Wisdom, luck, Wisdom, luck, Wisdom, luck, Wisdom. Their argument grew heated, when suddenly they both heard the lusty cry of a newborn babe coming from a cottage alongside the road. Luck said, Let's have a contest to see which of us can be more important in that young person's life as he grows. You, Wisdom, may take your turn first, and I will wait until later for mine. Wisdom agreed and leaped into the boy. The moment Wisdom entered his life, everyone around the cradle exclaimed, This child! Looks wise beyond his years. And indeed he was. He walked and talked at an early age. When he spoke, he said remarkably intelligent things. As he grew up, he learned everything so quickly, soon no one in the village could teach him more than he already seemed to know. By the time he was a young man, he longed to see the wide world. And so he set off to seek his fortune. He traveled until he arrived at the gates of a large city. Noticing a tailor's shop nearby, he offered himself as an apprentice. The tailor agreed to train him and was shortly amazed at how quickly the young man learned his craft. Soon the young man's garments were on display at the marketplace and Everyone delighted in his beautiful designs. The king's prime minister noticed his handiwork and said, Oh, you must come to the palace and be tailored to the king. Now, in the palace, there lived a princess who was as intelligent as she was beautiful. Although many a young prince came to court her, she found them all dull and uninteresting. She complained to her father, the king. All the princes who come to ask for my hand in marriage are boring. I must have a husband who can engage me in interesting conversation. But daughter, he would say, the prince who came courting yesterday was rich, and the one who came today is from a fine family. You must think of your future. I am thinking about my future. I will not marry for wealth or high estate. I want to marry someone whose company I can enjoy. I will not speak to any more of them. I will seal my lips and remain silent until a suitor comes who says something which will make me want to respond. And from that moment on, the princess would speak to no one. The king was furious at her stubbornness and announced, 
I will give the princess's hand in marriage to any man, be he of royalty or peasantry, who can make her speak. To avoid frivolous suitors, he also announced, anyone who tries and fails will be put to death. Many young men tried. Many young men died. The princess remained silent and content in her solitude. One day, as the young tailor was stitching the king's hem in the royal chamber, he happened to see the princess walk past the door. He thought, If she is as intelligent as she is beautiful, we would make a fine match. As the young man fitted the king with an elegant suit of clothes, he said, I would like a chance to try and encourage the princess to speak. It would be a pity, said the king, to lose such a fine tailor. If you fail, you will die. Fear not, said the lad. I will not fail, for I am wise beyond my years. Guard, called the king. Take this arrogant young man to the princess's chamber. If she speaks to him, inform me immediately. If she does not speak, hang him. A guard led the lad to the princess's chamber and stationed himself outside the door. Listen carefully at the keyhole, said the tailor as he entered the princess's chamber, closing the door behind him. Now, being a young man who was indeed wise beyond his years, the tailor did not speak to the princess. Instead, he turned to the candelabrum, burning bright with candles, and began a story. Candelabrum, candelabrum, I've a tale to tell. Candelabrum, candelabrum, listen, listen well. Long ago, three wise men rode through a dark forest. At nightfall, they camped and made a fire. Fearful of wild beasts in the night, they each agreed to take turns standing guard until the dawn. The first man to stand guard was an excellent carpenter. To pass the time, he took out his whittling knife and carved a beautiful maiden out of a log. Then he woke the second wise man and went to sleep. The second man was an excellent tailor. When the tailor saw the beautiful maiden of wood, he said to himself, "'Tis a pity that such a lovely girl does not have a gown and cloak to clothe her." He took some cloth from his pack, and he snipped and stitched until he had sewn her a fine gown and cloak. Then he woke the third wise man and went to sleep. The third man was an excellent teacher. When the teacher saw the beautiful maiden with the fine gown and cloak, he thought, Oh, tis a pity she cannot speak. He patiently set about to teach her to talk. So magical were his skills that before long she sat up and they gaily spoke with each other until dawn. When the other two men awoke and saw the maiden, 
they each insisted that she ride with them. I carved her, said the carpenter. I deserve her company most. But I clothed her, said the tailor. She should ride with me. But I gave her the gift of speech, said the teacher, so she can speak for herself. With which of us, dear lady, would you like to ride? Candelabrum, said the young man. Which do you think she chose? The one who carved her, the one who clothed her, or the one who gave her the gift of speech? Speak up, Candelabrum, the young man insisted. Guess, guess which one? Well, of course, the Candelabrum couldn't talk. But the princess, who had been listening to the story the whole time, blurted out, well, she should go with the one who gave her the choice. Ooh. The lad whirled about and said to the princess, who gasped at hearing her own voice, <laughs> I have won you fairly. You spoke, and if you would have me for a husband, I would gladly have you for my bride. The princess blushed, and she agreed to the wedding. The lad dashed out the door to tell the king. But as he passed the guard, the huge man grabbed him by the shirt collar and bellowed, I am taking you to your death, young man. You have failed. The young man protested, I have not failed. She spoke. She spoke. Didn't you hear? Although the boy had great wisdom, he did not have luck. And as luck would have it, the guard had been asleep the whole time and heard nothing but his own snoring. Luck and wisdom were watching. Luck said smugly, Look what you've done. The young man is indeed wise beyond his year's wisdom, but he shall lose his life in moments unless I step in. I suppose I should take my turn now. And Luck leaped into the body of the young man just as the guard was dragging him to the gallows, which loomed in front of the princess's balcony. As Luck would have it, she happened to walk outside at that same moment. When the princess saw what was happening, she cried out, Stop! Set him free! That man is to be my husband! He will tell me stories. And so the tailor and the princess were joyously married. Luck and wisdom attended the celebration, and the minstrels sang a wedding blessing. May your home be filled with wisdom, may your love always be true. As you weave your lives together, may luck be with you, may luck be with you, may luck be with you. As you weave your lives together, may luck be with you. And they lived happily, wisely, and luckily ever after.
Thank you for listening to the Story Story Podcast. Show the love. Find Donna Washington at DLW Storyteller and Heather Forrest at heatherforrest.com. Tell them you love stories and you want to hear more. If you have questions or comments for the podcast, send them to storystorypodcast at gmail.com. If you send us an email, let me know the favorite story you have heard or the favorite stories of your childhood. Who knows? Maybe you will hear them here soon. The inspiration behind the fairy tale sponsor was the Three Belly Goats Gruff. Wow, the troll in the Three Belly Goats Gruff. The inspiration for the true fairy tale was the bouts of insomnia that have been visiting for over the past month. The music is by Poddington Bear. This podcast is made possible by patrons like you. Consider becoming a patron or joining the mailing list to get podcast goodies or writing a review on Apple Podcasts, which helps other story lovers find and enjoy the show. You'll hear more stories soon. But until then, live happily ever after. Mary Kate opened up the door and there on the doorstep wrapped in his own blanket. And to this day, Anansi spins webs so that he can catch the flea, the fly, and the moth that got away. If you go down to the lake on a clear day when the water lies as calm as a sheet of glass, you can still see the rooftops of the castle glittering in the sunlight. And if you listen really closely, you can even hear the festive music from the royal court.